As been said, I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, that, that, as you were able to, to, to maybe have some time off work, some time together with family, some time around a table with some good food. I, I hope that, that you all were able to enjoy uh, this week together. How many this week in your Thanksgiving celebration went around the table and, and, and had people tell what they were thankful for this year? Yeah, it's kind of a, a thing that we all uh, tend to do from time to time. And, and it's easy to be thankful. It's easy to have our minds go towards gratitude at this time of year. That, that towards the end of the year, we're like, oh, oh, we should really look back and reflect and <clears throat> think how God has provided for us. And it's easy when we have this day of Thanksgiving that we uh, have a day set aside where um, in, the, in the name itself, in the holiday itself, we uh, have an opportunity to be grateful. And so, so sometimes uh, we tend to like pile all of our Thanksgiving into one day, all of our gratitude into one day. Uh, but really, uh, there are physiological benefits to living a life of gratitude. Gra- gratitude can not only change your perspective on things, but it also can improve your well-being. Uh, it, it's been said, uh, you know, in, you know, certainly, uh, that we, we, we're not going to go around being all Pollyanna thinking that everything is great all the time. You know, we look at certain situations and, and the only rightful way to look at them is to understand it truthfully and go, man, that, that's a tough situation. That's difficult. That is not good. And so sometimes, but, but at the same time, even in those difficulties, can we look upon them and find something to be grateful for? Did you know that being negative and cynical can lead to depression? It can weaken your immune system. And this can lead to a negativity bias in our spirit, in our, in our life, in our, in our personality. Uh, Dr. Robert <clears throat> Emmons, uh, he's a doctor, a professor of psychology at UC Davis. He wrote in his book, The Little Book of Gratitude, that gratitude is good medicine. Uh, he, he writes, his clinical trials have shown dramatic and lasting effects in life. That they helps lower your blood pressure and improve your immune system. A grateful people has been found exercise more, uh, have better dietary behaviors. They are less likely to smoke or abuse alcohol. You could say that it pays to be grateful. But we live in a world of instant gratification, right? We, we want what we want and we want it now. There are only 29 more days uh, till Christmas. Uh, and so, uh, and so that means you only have 29 more days to, to shop and get that thing wrapped. In. How, how many of you have foregone, have, have decided not to buy something on Amazon because it would not come the next day? And we do that and we go, Hey, you know what? If it, if it can't get here tomorrow, if they can't like use one of those drone things and drop it off. I mean, what good is Jeff Bezos? If he can't airdrop that thing on my front porch by dinner time, right? And they, oh, yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, you know, getting it by Tuesday, that's just way too long. That's, that's 24 more. It's not that long, right? I mean, you know, I remember growing up, it was like, you know, five to seven business days, right? Every, every commercial that sold anything, you're like, oh, please, oh, five to seven business days. And, and sometimes it would come later. And sometimes if it came earlier, you're like, whoo, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. But, but nowadays, we're like, man. I can't get by tomorrow. I may as well just go to Walmart and get her. I may, I may as well just brave. I may brave the crazy people at Target. Brave all the soccer moms at Target just to get whatever that is. Because if Amazon can't get to me by tomorrow. No, we want what we want and we want it now. How many of you will buy your own Christmas gifts? 
How, how many of you, not only will you buy your own Christmas gifts, but the gift come before Christmas, use it before Christmas. <clears throat> I mean, why? Because I know what I want. I know what I want. And I want it now. <laughs> you know, we tell our kids to wait, right? Yeah, you, 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 there's, there's that anticipation of waiting. And we're like, nope, I got it. <laughs> Using it right now. Boom. Is it because we can't wait to get it? Or is it, how does instant gratification put us at war with gratitude? Instant gratification puts us at war with gratitude because it keeps us from contentment. It keeps us from contentment. If you don't get anything out of today's sermon, get this. Thanksgiving is the key to contentment. <clears throat> Thanksgiving is the key to contentment. If you would turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to look at a few short verses in Paul's farewell to his friends in Philippi. He, uh, 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 Paul, uh, uh, throughout this letter has written a bunch of encouragement, a bunch of hope, a bunch of, hey, they, they, there's been encouragement that they, they are partners with him in the ministry, partners with him in the gospel, that there's this, been this hope and this help and this togetherness. And so there's, uh, all along the way, there's just been encouragement that, uh, to them. There's this beautiful part in Philippians chapter 4, where, uh, Philippians chapter 2, where Paul writes this beautiful description of who Jesus is. And then he, he, right after that, he, he talks about how as the Philippians are, are being obedient to that, they, they shine like stars in the sky. They're like sh- stars in the night sky, that they are lights for Jesus. He calls them stars shine in the darkness. And he thanks them for their gift, for their partnership in the gospel. That is, Paul is, has been in this situation. He's been a little bit in need. They help supply what he needed. <clears throat> so this is what Paul writes to them. Because I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And I'm not saying that this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to, to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all this. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. See, the Philippians, if you, it's just four short chapters. You could sit down and read it this afternoon, and you could hear Paul's heart, how they have partnered with him in the ministry, how they've partnered with him in the advance of the gospel. But Paul even references him in, in uh, his letter to the church in Corinth. Uh, and he talks about how uh, as, as he's, he's encouraging the Corinthian church to, to give and to, uh, to uh, set aside uh, financial gifts to, to help advance the gospel, he points to the people in Philippi in the surrounding area, the people in Macedonia. So think of Macedonia is like a state, and Philippi is a, a, a city in that state. That, that, that was kind of a, a poorer region in the area. And Paul looks at him and says, hey, even in their poverty, even in their lack, they gave above and beyond. They gave more than was expected. And Corinth, Corinth was the big city. Corinth was, was rich and it was metropolitan and had all this trade and all this capital. And he's like, hey, you guys should, should also give in such a way. That is sacrificial, that is helpful in advancing the gospel. And, and Paul says, hey, he looks, he's talking to the church in Philippi. He's like, man, you guys were awesome. 
I know that you guys continue to be concerned for me, but, but you had no opportunity, you had no uh, ability to show it. And so he goes, yeah, I'm thankful that you, again, renewed your concern for me. You, renew, you, you sent me another gift. And that word renew means to bloom again, to bloom again. Uh, Maybe maybe you have uh, a a certain bush or certain, some certain flowers uh, in in your garden that, that, that will bloom. You see, they'll they'll, they'll bloom. And when you, you prune them back, they'll bloom again. And and every time you, you prune them, uh, more and more blooms come. And that's kind of how it is. You, you have like this multiple blessing from the same, the same bush, the same plant. And Paul's like, that's how it is to me. You, you, you gave this gift, this, this awesome gift immediately, you know, as I was going around. And now I'm in this difficult situation and you sent one of yours. You sent Epaphroditus. If you read earlier, you, you learned about this guy named Epaphroditus. Uh, maybe if you have a child or grandchild on the way, you can name your child Epaphroditus. Um, maybe, I, I don't know what you'd call that for short. Maybe, you know, ditto. I don't know. Um, uh, so, but, 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 but Paradise brings this gift to Paul and, and, and he's like, you've renewed your concern for me. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't, that Paul writes this letter while in prison. He is in jail. Now, this is not uh, uh, three hots in the cot kind of jail. This is more like, uh, it's a little bit more like home house arrest. Is a, is, but he's in a difficult situation where he has to supply all of his needs. They don't give him his food. They don't give him uh, that. He has to have that brought in to him. And so Paul's like, man, it's been difficult. It's been difficult. And you renewed your concern. You brought a gift. You gave me a new gift to renew your concern for me, to help me out. Paul's like, hey, I'm, I'm I'm not begging. I'm not trying to beg for more. I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I know what it's like to be, I know what it's like to be poor. I know what it's like to have plenty. I've learned to be content in every circumstance. I, I love that word, circum, that, that word circumstance. It, it's, a, it's, a three, it's three words, three Greek words that are, have been combined together to make one English word. And the, the, the three words literally mean the things I am. The things I am. Paul says, I've learned to be content in whatever the things I am. Whatever the situation, whatever would describe your present situation. So maybe it's sick. Maybe it's poor. Maybe it's well, well, well off. Maybe it's uh, things are going fine. Things are going great. Maybe it's relational peace. Maybe it's uh, 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 occupational uh, uh, advancement. Whatever situation you find yourself in, those are your circumstances. Those are the things you are. Can you rejoice in all of your circumstances? Can you be content in the things you are the, the, the situation where you find yourself. And so what situation do you find yourself in today? Have you, have you found yourself in a situation where there's a lot of early wake-ups? Probably means you have children to love. Have you found yourself, your situation is that you have a house to clean. It means you have a safe place to live. Do you have laundry to do? Go home and have piles of laundry. That means you have clothes to wear. When you go home today, is your sink filled with dishes? Maybe on Thursday, was your sink filled with dishes? Means you had food to eat. Were there crumbs under your table? You cleaned and and dusted and and, and fancied everything up, and then afterwards there was crumbs all over the place where where you had once swept. Well, that means probably had a family meal together. You have to do grocery shopping? You can be grateful that we have money to provide. Do you have toilets to clean? You can be grateful for indoor plumbing. Especially on a morning like this, right? You go, it's a, whew, 
<laughs> that'd be awfully chilly. So we thank God for indoor plumbing, right? If there's lots of noise in your house, you have people to, in your life. A lot of questions about homework. It means your kids' brains are growing. Do you go to bed at night sore and tired? I'm grateful that we're still alive. What situation do we find ourselves in? Can we be grateful? Can we be thankful in any and all situations, any and all circumstances? Paul says, I have learned to be content no matter the situation. Whether I'm out traveling and advancing the gospel, whether I've been on a ship that's about ready to get wrecked, whether I am being stoned or receiving lashes from the Jews, or whether I find myself in a Roman jail. In any and every situation, Paul says, I can be content. I can be, I've learned to be content in any and all of these situations. Well, Paul, uh, it, well, well, this isn't a uh, jail like we've experienced. As Paul's writing, he, he, he had, he's allowed to have visitors come and go. Visitors are able to come in and be with him, bring him food, bring him care, bring him assistance. He may not have much freedom to go places, but they can come to him. But, but, but if you look back, Paul's life, all of Paul's life has not been this difficult. Surely these may be lean times, but Paul is making the most of his captive audience. If you read through the end of, 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 of his letter, at the very end, he's like, he's like, we're making inroads, we're making advancements into Caesar's household. So as the guards come to care for him, as the guards are there in his presence, guess what? He's able to share with them about Jesus. And then they go and they share with uh, their families and they go and they share with others in, uh, the, the, in the, in, in, in the uh, emperor's house. And so people in, in Caesar's guard and Caesar's household are hearing the gospel because of Paul's current imprisonment. He's having influence even though he's currently behind bars. Paul likely knew what life was like to have plenty. If you think back into his previous life when he was a Pharisee, he probably uh, was maybe quite well-to-do. Uh, maybe he had quite a bit of support. And he, as, as he was a tent maker, as he would make tents and buy and sell. And as a businessman, he probably did quite well. And Paul learned, no matter what his needs, no matter what support he had, to be content in any and every situation. Benjamin Franklin said this, contentment makes poor, oh, that's supposed to be poor men. Contentment makes poor men rich, but discontentment makes rich men poor. Contentment makes poor men rich, but discontentment makes rich men poor. How do we view what we have, right? How do we view the things that we have in our possession? Are we, do we, do we see them and do we see them as, a, as enough? And so we, so we have contentment from them. Or are we always looking for what is next? You know, if we are, are thankful and grateful for what we have, even if it is little, we might feel like we're rich. But if, we, if, we, if we're never content, no matter how much we have, we will never have enough. He knows what it's like to be well-fed. So show of hands, how many of us on Thursday would describe ourselves as well-fed? Yeah, yeah, there were, there, were, there were leftovers that are still in our, in our fridge. That, that word for, from the turkey to the taters to the casseroles to desserts, uh, statistically speaking, 
The only day that we eat more than Thanksgiving is on Super Bowl Sunday. And is vice versa? Oh, well, how about that? <laughs> the only day we eat more than the Super Bowl Sunday is on Thanksgiving. So one way, those, those two days, we are definitely well-fed. Did you know, though, that that word well-fed, that word well-fed is the word described what they would do to fatten up cattle. So that'll make you feel good, right? And so, so, <laughs> so on Thursday, right, you, 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 you wear the stretchy pants, right? You, you, you don't wear anything too cumbersome. Uh, and and, and, and Jaden was saying, that on a, he's like, well, I think I'm going to skip my workout today. I'm like, dude, we're getting plenty of workout, man. Fork the mouth. <laughs> you know, hey, I need a little bit of water. Wash that down. You know, we, had a, we, we were working the insides, right? We, 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 yeah, but we, we, he goes, I know what it's like to be well-fed. Yeah, I know what it's like to have plenty. And then Paul says, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret. And everyone says, hey, I have a secret. What do you do? Kind of lean in, right? I, I, you, you see someone uh, who is beautiful, that, that it seems even as they're aging, they continue to look younger and healthier. And they say, I got a secret. And you lean in. What's your secret? So someone, uh, someone just has fabulous hair. I know you guys want to know my secrets, right? Uh, and you go, well, what's, you, what's your secret? Someone has, uh, you see their financial portfolio growing. You might go, what's your secret? Paul says, I have a secret. I know what the secret is to be content no matter what things I am, no matter what my circumstances. And everybody leans in. Everybody wants to hear. And then he drops this nugget. He goes, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So it's not, it's not the verse you use while under uh, you know, the bench press bar. It's not, it's not the verse you use when, when you're trying to do some sort of superhuman feat. It's the verse you use when you look at your situation, you look at your circumstances, and you learn to be content because you're walking with Jesus. Because Jesus is the drive. He is the focus. He is the engine. He is the center of your life. And when he is the center of your life and you're content in any, every situation, it's not because you just you know, manned up and did that. It's not just because you figured out a human achievement and overcame. It's because Jesus is your center. He is your core. The secret, the key is Jesus. If you want contentment, this can only be found by being fully reliant upon God. Many think that they are content without having Jesus in their life. They believe they're, 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 they're but, but that is Impossible because as, as they, whatever they find contentment in is often fleeting. It's based on human effort. It's based on good fortune. Their contentment, the contentment of this world is the generic. It's the knockoff brand, right? But true, genuine contentment is only found in Jesus. Paul says, I can truly be content no matter my circumstances because his strength is not in his alone. It's not in his abilities and his, 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 his wit, his wisdom, his strength, his ability. It's only found in Jesus. See, the discontentment in our culture comes from a scarcity mentality. It comes from this scarcity mentality. That there, there, there's a limited amount that's out there, and so I've got to get mine. And so it becomes this zero-sum game where both you and I, both you and me, we both can't win. 
And so there's going to be winners and losers, and, and we'd rather be winners, right? And so I'm going to get mine, and, and maybe you'll get yours. And so I'm going to get all that I can. And we see that there's a scarcity that, that no one's content because, they, you know, where's that next dollar going to come from? Where's that next meal going to come from? Even though we've got pantries stocked, even though we've got bank accounts full, we begin to wonder, where is that next thing going to come from? Will it continue? And Paul says, it's not about my ability. It's not what I have. It's not what's before me. It's not about my ability to achieve. It's about what God has supplied for me. See, our God is not a God of scarcity, but abundance. John 10.10 says, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Now, that can get, we can get too off the rails there too. And we begin to think that, that, that God, uh, we, we've tended to take it as a culture and said that if God really loves me, God really loves those who are rich. God really loves those who are wealthy. God really loves those who have plenty, who have a, a lot. But abundant, God never promised wealth as abundance. God promised abundance. So maybe for you, it might be abundance of wisdom. It might be abundance of influence. For some, it might be an abundance of wealth. Some might be an abundance of peace, an abundance of joy. You see, we tend to narrow down what we view as abundance. But God can supply abundance in whatever means he wants. And as we draw close to him, he will give us his presence in abundance. It may look different for you than it does for me. It may look different for people in different situations. But if you look through, when we look through the Old Testament, it does seem that those who, God, who walked closely, most closely with God, that God blessed them with great wealth. But then when you look at those in the New Testament, those that seem to be blessed by God, die young and poor. Peter, crucified upside down. Paul, beheaded. All of his disciples are, 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 are martyred in one way or another. John's the only one who may have survived an actual martyrdom, but he died in prison on an island at an old age. And it wasn't for lack of trying. They, uh, 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 legend has it that he was boiled alive. I, I think that's hotter than any hot tub any of us have been in. But yet they would say that they lived a life of abundance because of their presence and partnership with God. See, in God's economy, we can be rich in influence. We can, we can be rich in wisdom. But most of all, I think God wants us to be rich in love. And so I believe we must learn Paul's secret to contentment. Uh, John Ballguy, he's a, an English uh, philosopher, an English uh, uh, religious philosopher. He wrote this. He said, contentment is a pearl of great price. And whoever procures it at the expense of 10,000 desires makes a wise and happy purchase. Contentment is a pearl of great price. Whoever procures it, even at the expense of 10,000 desires, makes a wise, happy purchase. See, contentment starts with thanksgiving. It starts with being grateful for what we have. And so when we are settled in what we have, not looking for what is next, then we can truly be content and grateful. We can truly be content. And it's easier to be content when we trust God for all that we have. It's easier to be content when we can trust God for all that we have. So here's my challenge for you this week. Make a list 
of all the things you're thankful for. Each day as a scan makes out the, uh, the, the, the sheet of assignments for the boys to com- complete during, for homeschooling. One of the things at the top is there's the date. And then there's their thankful for list. And they, 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 they can put whatever they want there, but there's two or three items that they have to, what are the things that you are thankful for? And some days it's mom and coffee. And some days it's video games and, and baseball. And, but but, but, but each, each day it's, it's something different. So what are those things in your life that you're thankful for? And maybe, yeah, maybe on your counter, maybe on your bedside table, maybe in the bathroom, wherever you have a handy place, maybe you just have a list. And this week you just begin the list. And today you go home and you write one, you know, thankful for, and you start with one. And by the end of the week, how long can you make your list? What are the things that you are thankful for? We begin to see all the things we're thankful for. It makes us harder to feel discontent about the things that we lack. When we see all that we're thankful for, it's easier for us to praise God because he's the source of all that we have. And the more content we are, the closer we begin to grow to Jesus. And Paul says, I've learned how to be content in any and all situations. I've learned the secret. Here is the secret. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. I'm sure I echo many of you that of all the things I am thankful for, one of the things I am most thankful for is the salvation I have in Jesus. The, the grace that was purchased for us at Calvary. His blood that was poured out for us. That he saved us. Even though we didn't deserve it. Even though we had done nothing to earn it. Even though we will, be, we will, we will not be able to say in any form or fashion that is human achievement that has gotten us there. That is probably the thing that I'm most thankful for. Maybe the other thing that we're thankful for is the way that God uses us. Maybe we can think about the, the ways that he's gifted us and the, the, the opportunities he's given us to be a faithful witness to him. Maybe uh, we've been able to share a bit of our life, a bit of our story, a bit about how God has, has blessed us. That we can begin to, to share that with others. Maybe we can, uh, maybe another thing we can be thankful for is, is the, the opportunity, the, the ability he's given us to, to give freely. And so we've been able to, to support mission both here and abroad to, to help meet the needs of those who are less fortunate. Of all the things that we are thankful for, what things can we be thankful for today? Maybe today as we think about next steps and how we can begin to live this out, maybe we can begin out of our gratitude. To begin, those can be opportunities for us to uh, not, not only keep it to ourselves, but share with others. How has God I've been grateful to us. So how can I share that? Uh, how has God uh, helped me be content? How has he helped me grow? How has he supplied these things for me? How can I share those with others? So they then become opportunities for us to, to uh, help others see and know Jesus. Maybe you have a next step that you need to or want to take today. You can uh, let us know by using the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect. Maybe you need to chat with someone and say, hey, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what this contentment thing looks like. Maybe you need prayer. I'll be in the back after the service and we can uh, talk and we can pray together then. As we uh, turn the corner from Thanksgiving and towards Christmas, may we be grateful for all that God has given us, mainly his son. And may we use this season to help make Jesus famous wherever we go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you most of all for Jesus. 
Lord, we thank you that we, for this time of being able to give us together, to gather together today to sing praises to you. That, Father, you are good and you are great. That, Father, you are, are the king who's above all. And, Father, you are the supplier. You're the giver of every good and perfect gift. So, Father, help us to be mindful of that. Help us to be think, thankful for those things, both great and small, that you've blessed us with. Father, may we be able to share with others and tell others of your goodness because of how you've supplied those things for us. Father, I pray that you would help us uh, this day, this week, this season, to help others see you, to help others know you, and to help others uh, be welcomed into a relationship with you. Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Hey, over the coming weeks, we got a lot of different Christmas things going on. Uh, there's a, uh, the annual Christmas play and dinner coming up here in a couple of weeks. Be, uh, see the, uh, uh, the sign-up sheet on the Welcome Center for that. Um, we've got uh, our open house on the, on the 17th and Christmas Eve, uh, both morning and evening service on the 24th. Christmas season is one of the greatest times to invite those who are either uh, disconnected from church, who are unbelievers. Uh, it just tends to be one of those times where, where our, their hearts tend to be more open to an invitation. So be praying for those you might invite, and uh, we hope to see you and a friend next Sunday.